Welcome to the Brand Shift Personal Branding Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Wozniak, and today I'm joined by Chloe Fox. Chloe, thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm super excited to have you on. You have a very vibrant personality and online presence on LinkedIn and just a really cool story. And so I knew I needed to get you on and to chat with you. You're doing some really cool stuff with your community. And obviously, um, you're the queen of watermelon socks, which is super (laughs) awesome. Um, And I'm looking forward to get to know you a little bit more. And so if you would, for the audience to share a little bit um, about who you are, where you're at and, and what it is that you do. Sure. Um, Well, before being crowned the LinkedIn queen of watermelon socks, I was pretty normal, I think. I went to school, went to college and did all that stuff and then went into the big wide world of work. Um, And when I went to college, there wasn't really many like options for what you could do. It was sort of like the bog standard. Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to do maths? Um, So I did whatever I was just good at at the time and then left, moved on. and went to work in the leisure industry to earn a bit of money. And then it wasn't until about three years into work, working full time that I thought, oh, I wanna do something more than this. And ended up managing a few events for the swim school that I worked for and sort of fell in love with the, what I thought was the event management to start with. But then it turns out I'd actually fallen in love with the marketing side of it. Um, And so decided I was gonna go back to uni and study marketing. And then just as I went back to uni, the pandemic hit and I was studying from home and I wasn't working and I was getting bored. So I decided to join LinkedIn, which was all, it was more like corporate and serious back then. I mean, this was only 18 months ago, but it's come like a really long way. And I just started posting about, you know, like graphics and tips on marketing and basically everything that I learned, I wrote about. And then I had a couple of people reach out to me about doing social media marketing for them. And that's where my company started. So I literally like made it all up overnight. <laughs> Someone said, can you do this for me? And I was like, sure. Yeah, I've done this before and just boom, made it all. Um, and then that started going really well. And I just really enjoyed posting and talking to everyone and sharing my love of funky socks. Um, and then it just sort of grew and grew and grew from there. And I became known as like this little happy me on LinkedIn and everyone seemed to resonate with that, which was really like empowering and really lovely to hear. And so, yeah, I just kept doing it, kept enjoying it and kept growing. And now, as I say, I'm the funky socks connoisseur, it seems. (laughs) Yeah, that's an awesome story. And and it's cool because um, you've built this vibrant brand, but more or less on accident, but not totally on accident because you were just being authentic and being yourself. And like you said, at that time in LinkedIn, that was a little bit uncommon, which I'd imagine was an opportunity for you to, to stand out a little bit. And people started to see something that they hadn't really seen before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like now, if I scroll through my feed, there's people everywhere. There's, you know, like selfies, there's people doing things, there's dogs and everything. And I personally really love it um, because although, you know, business is business, business is people. Um, and it's really lovely to see that. But when I first started, I mean, I'm a creator and I've always been connected with creators. So I feel like we've always been ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, social platforms. But even 18 months ago, 
selfies were slightly rarer. You know, you only had like the big accounts doing it, like um, Leah Turner, and it was definitely more rare and it was more like an influencery thing. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed like even the big influencers back then wouldn't get huge engagement like you know to go viral on linkedin you used to get like a few hundred likes and you'd be like wow now virality is much bigger and there's many more people on the platform and so many more avenues to take it and it's just really fun and exciting i think yeah and it's changed the way that people like yourself approach social media because linkedin has become an opportunity to attract leads build your business but you do it off the back of your personality and your authenticity and who you actually are, um, which is really different. And I think a lot of like social media agencies um, are are having to adapt to that. But you, because you were kind of caught in that that moment, you built your agency right in that, knowing that in advance. And so has that kind of been an advantage for uh, your agency? And how did you kind of use that to, to kind of grow that out? Yeah, so my... My agency, when I first started it, I didn't have too much direction in terms of, you know, the kind of clients that I wanted or anything like that. Um, So I started working with a few brands and I was always really, really focused on telling their story, giving the brand a personality and trying to get the decision makers, the founders involved um, and talking through them too. So it was very much about building connections, building relationships, trying to get their customers to sort of trust them and form that early relationship so that they can have this long-term stream of leads. And, and so when I started out, I wasn't focused on, you know, the big things like, like all of the metrics and all of the ROIs and we can guarantee 10 warm leads or all of this. It was more, I was very frank about the fact that look, it's like anything. If you give your brand a personality, and actually just breathe that into everything people will just like they've done for my personal brand align with it and be interested in it and join it and want to be involved and want to engage with it so when you then ask something of them or offer them something they're much more likely to trust you to take it or to help like when i first started my email list by that time i think i'd got around three thousand followers and I said, you know, I want to start this email list to give back, essentially. Um, and I think within the first, like, well, it's been 10 weeks now. And I've got about 400 people on my email list, which to me is awesome and amazing. And I get about a 60% open rate. So they're obviously interested. They're opening it. Um, but it's just me. And I think people underestimate how much a personality can change things. You know, no one wants boring copy anymore. No one wants to read something that everyone writes you know they want to actually read something that sounds like a person has written it and so yeah a lot of it was focused around that and because of that because it was slightly different I think a lot of brands were interested in that and they saw this sort of shift in LinkedIn and in social media um, and wanted to jump on it and purely because I was shouting about it they came to me Um, but yeah it's been really exciting since then we've worked with quite a few clients and we've niched down now to clients in like STEM and stars businesses. So ones that think they're too boring for social media or they're too technical for social media, but actually because it's not based on what you do now, it's based on who you are. These brands have really amazing stories to tell all of them. Um, and yeah, there might be, you know, this really detailed, delicate techno technology company, but actually 
it's born of people or it was a family in company or something like that. And it's always really interesting to break that down and just let people get to know them. And then obviously you get all the bonuses as a result. So, you know, they get more leads, they get more revenue and we get happy clients. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely, definitely helped. But I think it took me sort of just going for it to get to where we are now. Yeah. Um, and it's, I love that. And I, I think it's like kind of a great equalizer, this, this personal branding movement, because like you said, like you don't have to be this big um, brand with all the uh, lots of resources to tell this really intricate story. You just need people behind the brand and every brand has a story to tell. Like how did that brand become, uh, what is the mission that they're on? And you can tap into that and really bring that out. And then it becomes this really uh, big competitive advantage, especially in a industry like STEM or something that seems a little bit more sterile or generic you can bring yeah. a lot of life and color to that industry and then you'll stand out really quickly if you're willing to tap into that which i think is really cool and you at your agency are able to do that for these companies and i actually love that you're embracing these companies that would be typically um, find it harder to stand out um, and then you're able to bring this personal branding aspect to just really take them to the next level i think that's really cool oh thank you yeah i mean it's just to me all it takes is during a discovery meeting when I first meet with clients, I chat to them about their company and they just switch on. Like you can see like the passion in their eyes and the way they talk that this industry, this business, it means so much to them. And it's not just a faceless product. It's not just, we want to go viral. It's, you know, we're helping to better lives or, you know, we're helping other people to do this. Um, and those are the kinds of people like I immediately want to work with them as soon as they start talking and you start you know, hearing all of this passion, I'm like, all you need to do is show that you have it. You just have to show it. And I can do that. I can just connect to that a bit. Um, so yeah, that's why we love working with STEM companies just because it's, to me, it's so much more exciting. Just you have to lift the veil slightly and then you get this really vibrant, amazing story happening that is, you know, just slightly hidden. Whereas with, you know, really exciting um, products and really exciting services like marketing it's all always like that you know it's always like yeah this is really like, exciting we have so much creative freedom whereas with these brands it's more like forget all that we just need to tell everyone about you we need we just need you to be you and to show it and then everything else will follow and it'll all slot into place and so yeah it's really really fun being able to peel that back and show it off to the world um I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of my team here, but I feel like we all really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so you kind of come from this background where you started off building your own personal brand, teaching people about, about marketing. Um, and as a result, a lot of people started to follow you to kind of see how they could build their own personal brand, do something similar to what you've been doing. What kind of advice are you giving people when they're reaching out saying, hey, I want to be building my brand like you, like what has worked for you and, and how are you helping those people? Um, and what do you tell them to help them start to put themselves out there and share a little bit of their own personality? Yeah, so um, I've been getting this question a lot recently from people reaching out, contacting me. Um, and I've been giving a similar response each time because what I'm seeing a lot of at the moment, especially on LinkedIn, um, but on Instagram too and other social platforms, are people building their personal brands by copying people who have built their personal brand. Um, and it's just completely flawed to me because now you have people who have built personal brands teaching personal branding to other people 
So they can build personal brands to teach personal branding. And you've just got this constant cycle of personal branding and even people who haven't built a brand yet, but are building their brand, basing it around personal branding. And I feel like I've just said the word personal branding about 17 times, (laughs) but you get my point. Like it just, it filters it down. And then you think how many people are building a personal brand to do something with it or building an actual personal brand that is them. Um, so my first bit of advice is always don't just follow the crowd because everyone else is following the crowd. Why would they need another voice telling them the same thing? So you can do posts about, ah, this is five things I've learned on my personal branding journey so far, or five ways that you can build your personal brand. But when you've got huge or semi-huge influencers talking about this already, it doesn't give people a reason to follow you. So the first thing I always say is do not follow the crowd sit down and figure out who you are and what you want to do with your personal brand. So before you've even started building it, sit there and think, why do I want one? Because if you sit there and go, I want one because they've got one, or I want one because I want more followers, you're not going to get anywhere. It's the wrong reasons. I mean, you might become a personal brander that talks about personal branding and yeah, you might get personal branding clients. And if that's what you want to do and that's your purpose, then fine. If you say, I want to build a personal brand so that I can coach founders on personal branding i be like fine we can work with that but if you don't set that purpose early on you'll talk about anything anything and everything and you'll talk about what everyone else is talking about and you'll talk about the trends and you'll cover the memes and all that and you may even build a following from it but because you've got so many different aspects you can't channel it so i decided i was going to be marketing everything was going to be talked about marketing and then I was going to be happy and positive. And I was going to be known as, you know, mentioning my funky socks every now and then. I didn't realize it'd be quite to this extent, yeah. but <laughs> I thought, you know, what, I'm going to roll with it. And then now people are recommending people follow me for marketing, not for personal branding. I mean, I've built a personal brand, but people don't go, oh, you should follow Chloe for personal branding advice. They go, you should follow her as an example, or you should follow her for content marketing. You know, you should follow her for a little bit of happiness in your feed. That's what you want. You don't want people to, you know, just see you as another wannabe linked influencer. So first things first, sit down, figure out why you want a personal brand. And it doesn't matter if it's selfish. If you're like, I want money, <laughs> that's fine. If you're like, look, I want to build a personal brand because I want some money. I'm like, fine. What can you do for people? Like, that's the next bit. So you have to sit down and go, okay, I want to do this. I want to get to this point. I want this money or, you know. I want to build a business, blah, 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 whatever you want to do. You have to then go, okay, what do I have to offer? What am I interested in? And then you just talk about it. And it sounds really like patronizing and really, you know, it's easy. You just talk about it, but you actually do. And you just have to stick at it. And then my last bit of advice would probably be to do things before you're ready. So, so many people will sit there and they'll watch and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going to start a personal brand soon. Oh yeah, I'm going to do it soon. I get loads of messages saying, I've been thinking about it. Just do it. Literally just do it. There's no such thing as not ready when it comes to this because you'll never be ready. I'm not ready now. Every time I get a new client, I sit down and think, God, can I do this? Am I ready for this? Are we ready for this? But you are. You just don't think it sometimes. Despite um, all our misfortunes, we are very humble beings, it seems nobody ever thinks they're capable of doing anything until they do it that's like my little thing that i throw at everyone when they message me (laughs) 
just get going. And that's so true. And, and just embracing those things that they really love to a lot of people are looking to, yeah, looking to others be like, Oh, that's working for them. I should, I should pick that yeah. as my niche. They're looking at like a menu of niches instead of looking inward and saying like, what am I really passionate about? What I really want to accomplish. And then they go out and they build someone else's brand and then they don't love it and they can't <laughs> stick with it. And it's like, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> yeah. That's a hundred percent it. And I just think People sometimes feel like, oh, well, no one cares about that or no one cares about what I care about. And actually think that is why social media was invented. Social media was invented so people from all around the world could find their people. Did you know, this is my favorite little thing and I throw it at everyone. There is a Facebook page or a Facebook group called, I will go slightly out of my way to step on a crunchy leaf. And it has over 2 million followers. <laughs> and you think if 2 million people can all, you know, join together and converse over the fact that they like stepping on crunchy leaves, then I'm pretty sure somebody is going to care about your love of home renovations or your love of ballet shoes or your love of repainting cars to look like something else. You know, like, it doesn't matter what your niche is. It doesn't matter what you enjoy. Somebody out there will enjoy it with you. Yeah. And the world because of the internet has become so accessible that, yeah, you can have the most bizarre niche ever, and you can still find a lot of people who resonate with that. And I think oftentimes the problem I see a lot of people make is they're too scared to niche down far enough to where they can really resonate with those people. But imagine if you find an account that is super hyper-specific. Um, it's like giving hedgehogs haircuts or something like that. And you're like, <laughs> no way, I've been looking for this. And these people that do find you are absolutely hooked. And it's the only place that they found that they can like resonate with other people that appreciate this you know, odd niche or whatever it is. you know. That's it. And sometimes it comes from an angle that you don't even realize. I mean, there's a guy, I think he's on TikTok. He cleans pools. Um, and that's his job. And he's gone, he's got loads and loads and loads of followers purely because what he does is so satisfying. And so loads of people who are just into like really satisfying things and cleanliness and everything are watching it and, you know, boosting his profile, even if they're not, you know, going to buy from him because it just makes him known. And I think people forget that a lot as well. Like you can have people enjoy your content and you can converse with people who aren't in your niche or aren't in your country. And it still does you favors. You shouldn't think, oh, I'm not going to find anyone in my niche to converse with because you think, oh, actually, you might not to start with, but then they'll talk to other people and you'll become known and it sort of dominoes from there. And that's why you have to stick at it even when you think I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah, totally. And I bet when he was going to start, he probably wasn't like, oh, I'm sure everyone wants to watch, you know, it loves pool cleaning, you know, he might have <laughs> had that hesitancy. And then now, you know, it's totally working. And, and you probably and you even mentioned you had no idea that the watermelon socks thing would be like such a huge hit, like people resonate with that and they love it. They love it. Oh, I really didn't. I mean, the reason I love funky socks so much is because when I went to school, we had really strict uh, uniform. And all the girls looked like boys and everyone looked a bit rough and obviously your mum buys things four sizes too big to make them last and either that or they hand-me-downs from my older siblings and so obviously your underwear is something you have control over no one's going to tell you you're not allowed to wear your your cherry printed knickers so no one's going to see them but I always 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 wore funky socks under everything else was like you know regulation uniform and I always had some kind of bright funky quite frankly ugly socks <laughs> under my under my uniform and obviously because I'm stupidly tall my ankles would always be out everyone would see my funky socks and it just brought a little bit of happiness to people's days 
and it gave me my like freedom my individualism and so I always loved them and then even even on sad days even you know when you're going to a funeral even when you've got to do shitty things or you know you've got to go to work and you're really not feeling it just putting on a pair of funky socks is like your little solace it's like my little okay it's not all bad and every time you look down at them it's just a little bit like <laughs> nice <laughs> and so I'm hoping a lot of people just resonate with that because they were like it's just nice to have a little something funky in your life <laughs> and I love that and I don't think everyone like knows that story per se but some part of it does come through uh, as you see it there's something exciting and fun and different about it and i kind of want to lean into that a little bit i'm curious um when it comes to people finding their their twist or their quirk or the thing that they want to stand out for the thing they want to be known for or just something that makes them a little bit different um how can they kind of use that to start to drive this feeling of community that you know you've created this really awesome community on your page it has to do with that as kind of a starting point to make like break the ice a little bit and then they get to know you a little bit further is there a way people can kind of lean into their quirks a little bit and make something that makes them stand out definitely i mean <laughs> funnily enough i was asked this same question by a young man um, a good few months ago, who is now very much known for flamingos. <laughs> um, I'm not taking credit, but I'm definitely gonna say I was an influence of the flamingo <laughs> thing. So if Roman becomes famous, I can be like, I helped. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember saying to him, he approached me and he was like, I really love that, you know, watermelon and socks are associated with you and people have something to start a conversation with, as you say. And he, wanted to do it too and he was like can I do it and I was like well of course you can what do you like and he was like I love flamingos love flamingos and he loved them because they because <laughs> they're pink for one um and they're pink because of the food they eat and then something he explained this lovely philosophy to me which <laughs> I shockingly can't remember now which sounds awful so don't tell Roman um but yeah he said he really loved flamingos and I was like okay well what's stopping you he was like, oh, I'm worried that it doesn't really like suit my brand or that it may seem like, you know, childish or something like that. And I was like, okay, one, tell the story behind it because it's just being truthful. And then two, use, you know, you just have to tie it in to everything that you're doing. So, I mean, now he can get away with just posting a picture of him with an inflatable um, flamingo and okay. it's great, but you can't like, you know, go straight in at that. Um, so when you start out, you, know, you just have to tie it into things. So, I love a metaphor. I've always been a metaphor kind of person. Um, so I'd always use like really cliche metaphors and then I try and just make them sock related. So one day I was talking about how you can't control everything around you. Um, you can control what you do as a result. So if you get rained on one day and your funky socks have got soggy and wet, you, know, you can even sit there and cry about them or you can take them off and dry them and get on with your day. Um, and so I just started sneaking in these little metaphors and that was my that was my advice to Roman you know just start sneaking it in and who's gonna really care who cares I have clients who approach me and they go oh yeah love your watermelon socks like chatting about your watermelon socks um I had a client gift me a um computer map with watermelons printed on it and I had an old employer give me some watermelon socks and a card with watermelons on um it gives people something to remember you by something to start the conversation by and just a really easy insight into you um and it doesn't have to be 
a gimmick. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It might be you use the same sign off every time. Um, it might be that you start every podcast with the same, you know, little saying or little theme tune or something like that. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. You know, not everybody has to go, oh, do you know what? I need to find something to attach to my brand. It doesn't, you don't have to go and look for it. It's something that you already do or you already know or you already love. And you just have to talk about it. I mean, a lot of us aren't our full selves. Even on LinkedIn, I can hand on my heart say, I'm not my exact self on LinkedIn because there's other parts to me. There's, you know, my Instagram looks very different. My Facebook looks very different. And they're all me. They're just different parts of me. And I'll be honest, LinkedIn's the most as real to me as you'll get. But there are still parts of my life that I don't like to put on LinkedIn or that I keep separate. Um, you'll never see anything about partners or family from me on LinkedIn just because it's their lives too. And I don't like to get them involved in and crossed, but you know, you can do. And then that might be your thing. You know, you, like I say, it can be absolutely anything. It just has to be real. So don't think I need a gimmick and I've got to tie something to it. Just be you and a mannerism or something will come out naturally. Um, especially when you just look at, you know, how you sign off your texts or something. My sister is always saying, much love, much love, much love. <laughs> and that would 100% be her thing. <laughs> so that is my advice. Just look at who you are, what you do, what you like, and then talk about it more. And then if it's something that people can easily recognize, you will soon see people sending you pictures of the watermelon socks that they went by in the shop and sending you a picture of their watermelon cocktail that they got in their local bar talking about the watermelon printed shirt that they saw the other day, sharing a picture of them eating watermelon. And honestly, there is nothing in the world that makes me happier than when someone says, I thought of you because I saw this. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some degree of consistency, no matter what that looks like for you, just helps like carve out a little space in people's brain where they can remember you by. And when they see something like that in their life, then they just think, oh, that's like Chloe or, oh, that's Nick or, oh, that's whoever, because they see that repetition until it becomes you. And it's as simple as yeah. that. It is. And we see it in everyday life. I mean, if you think of certain footballers, certain runners, you know, they have their things that they do. You've got the mobile, you've got Usain Bolt, you know, those little things, they just do them all the time. And that's why it's associated with them. It's not because it's special in any way. It's because they're special and they do it. So you don't, I think some people get caught up now with, I have to, you know, do this, pretend to be this. I need to have this thing. I need to have something when actually it's, you know, you just need to be you. And that can be really, really hard. It's not easy to just go, I'll just be you. Um, but it is the basis of it. You have to like right now, I'm hoping you're thinking I'm everything you expected after, you know, reading from my profile and seeing all my stuff and we're chatting and you're like, yeah, no, this is just what I thought she would be like. But you don't want to like, you know, do all this stuff on LinkedIn and then someone meet you and be like, oh God, you look and sound <laughs> and act nothing like I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be tricky, honestly, to like actually accurately display yourself online. And that's what a lot of people are hesitant about. Um, but what often the problem is, is they're trying too hard to make themselves look better than they really are. And that's where the inauthenticity comes. If they would really lean into how they actually interact with people. Um, and some people solve this with talking straight into their phone for posts. So it sounds like, you know, actually the way that they would talk. And, um, yeah. but for me, it's like leaning into the actual language I use, 
which is sometimes like rad and stoked and stellar and stuff from Southern California. And people are like, that's different, but that's really how I talk. And then hopefully people meet me and they're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I love that. I want to switch gears a little bit. You've done an amazing job of just building this community and then you've launched the happy creative community. And I want to talk, a lot of people approach me and ask about how they build a community, how they nurture relationships at scale and how they really build something where people are interacting. Sometimes people even get a lot of likes, but they just don't feel like they're getting a lot of engagement. How have you kind of cultivated this community and, and where do you kind of see your own community going? Um, I think first thing is definitely engagement. Um, a community is two-sided. And so you have to give before you can expect anything in return, I think. So before I launched the Happy Creative, I managed to up my engagement because I was talking to other people. I'd comment on their posts and converse with them and send them a message. Um, you know, once you've sent somebody a message and actually kickstarted a relationship, every time they see you in the feed, they're going to want to support you. Um, so there was a lot of conversation and actual genuine connection and then supporting others and regularly thanking people for support as well. I think it can be really overlooked to every now and then just go, you know what this is all because of you and I'm really really grateful um, and that's certainly the case for me 18 months ago I never would have thought I'd be here and it's certainly down to every individual that's you know just spent a couple minutes of their day liking or commenting on something of mine um, and they've contributed and not even knowing most of the time so definitely engaging and then also having multiple touch points so I started my newsletter because, and I'll be really honest, I started my newsletter because I wanted to monetize this community that I had built. I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time, you know, pitching ideas to myself, coming up with content ideas, trying to think of how I can help other people. And I don't think it's too selfish of me to want to, you know, be rewarded for that or to want to create something from that. So I wanted to create the Happy Creative Community to, yeah, monetize this huge audience that I'd suddenly built. Um, and so I started with a newsletter, absolutely free, free newsletter. Um, got some, you know, <laughs> celeb guests. No, I got some um, LinkedIn well-known people to do, you know, little features and things for me. And just started releasing this newsletter. So not only now were people able to comment on my posts, um, which were tiny little snippets of, you know, my brain. Now they could sign up to receive a weekly regurgitation of my brain with a little story, with some trending news, um, with some tips from a local influencer, all those kinds of things. So they have these two touch points now. And then I thought, okay, now that that's in the swing of it, I want to create a place where people can better converse because on LinkedIn, you'll do a post, you'll get people commenting, you'll comment back, but that's the end of the conversation generally. It's one comment, one reply. There we go. So I wanted to create somewhere where people could go to to have a question asked, regardless of how big their audience is as well. Because a lot of people on LinkedIn feel like they can't just ask a, ask a question to their feed because they don't have that many people in their feed yet. Mm. So I wanted to basically create a space where people could utilize my community and my following for themselves. So I created the Happy Creative member site. All of the email list, obviously, you know, we're invited to join anyone from my LinkedIn. Yeah, again, it's free. Um, so people could go on there. I would still do the weekly newsletter and I'd also publish it on the website and then they could comment on it. Um, they could ask questions if they wanted to. 
there's a forum which everyone has access to now so you can ask a question in the forum and not only will i see it and respond to it but 150 other people i think about 20 of which have already got expert badges who can also you know answer your question give you tips so it's almost like um reddit but specifically for creators and nowhere near as big <laughs> but it was just creating several points where they could go so they may see a post of mine on social media it may stir up some ideas or they may have a question um but they might not want to comment it on a public forum they might think okay i'm going to send her a message and my inbox is ridiculous um and so then they might think oh do you know what i'm going to ask a few other people i'm going to post on the forum or you know they might wait until the next email comes out and then reply to the email or something like that so there's these multiple touch points now where people can converse they can go to get information and then there's also now events coming up there will be courses coming up soon there'll be merchandise and that's where i will look to get that return that financial return that i'm doing it all for but i'm still giving so much and you have to keep giving things i think it's really important to remember where you came from and remember who got you to where you are as well so i mean membership to the happy creative will be forever free there will never be a charge to be a member there will always be free events there will always be free resources but there will also be paid events and also be merchandise and paid resources so the option is there and so that i can hopefully begin to step back a little bit more so instead of me always creating content now people will be in the forum creating their own content and talking to each other um, and giving me content ideas and allowing me to see what people are talking about what they need to know and then before you know it you've got an entire community of people so in my mind it's having multiple touch points and engaging making sure you're actually talking to people otherwise how can you expect them to follow you or want to talk to you I, uh, I love that a lot. And I think what's, I love that you touched on gratitude and just like, you know, giving and, and realizing like how cool it is that like, you know, 50 or hundred people take a few minutes out of their day to like leave a comment on your post and to interact with you and um, to not lose sight of that. Cause that's so incredible. And then you taking this opportunity to um, increase that. Cause like you said, like I get really excited when I look in my comment section and someone else has responded to a comment. I'm like, that is like where the magic happens. And I think like you said, a, a community off of LinkedIn is it's easier to get that uh, interaction to happen, um, which ultimately is just so much better for everyone, including you, um, more sustainable for you and just adds so many different perspectives and experiences that makes it so much of a richer experience. And so I love that yeah. so much. Yeah, indeed. I think as I do absolutely love LinkedIn. I adore LinkedIn and it is the kickstart to my career now. However, in recent months, it's starting to filter a little bit. And this is partially my fault. I need to curate my feed. And I think, you know, if you don't like what you're seeing, you should curate your feed, have a look at who you're following, clear it up a little bit. But I have noticed that there's more people who are following the trends or like trying to be an influencer. And there's lots of, sort of like emptiness at the moment, um, which has a lot coming from someone that's just preached about how happy she is with everything. But I find that having communities allows people to, to cling on to why they came to LinkedIn in the first place and to find genuine reasons for coming back. Because if it was just constant shit posting, it would be like Twitter. And I have no time for Twitter. It's not my cup of tea. And even if I do, it's because I want to scroll just to judge and laugh. It's not 
because I would seek real value out of it. So as long as you can make your feed, your page somewhere where people can enjoy coming for whatever reason, for whatever niche, then you've already built a community and a community is not based on its size. You know, I, you can build a community with five people. You can build a community with 50 people, 500. It doesn't matter about the size. It matters about what each individual feels that they get out of it. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for people to create communities as long as they accept that they can't do it on a community that already exists unless it's got a special thing to it, you know? If there's a huge community of digital marketers and somebody else wants to do a little, you know, their own thing based around being happy and being creative, they certainly could because there's so many people. But that's what niching down is for. So yeah, I think anybody that wants to start a community absolutely can. And it's not based in numbers and it's not based in likes or anything like that. It's based around conversation and you'll very quickly see how much people appreciate you turning up and you giving your time um, and vice versa, how appreciative you will be of them doing the same for you. I love that. Um, I want to transition a little bit as we kind of wrap up this podcast. This has been super, super awesome. Um, if people want to reach out to you, Chloe, work with you, keep up with you, how can they do that? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn for about eight hours every day, Monday to Friday. So... <laughs> So they can always reach out on LinkedIn. They could also reach out via my agency, Level Up Marketing, or should I say level hyphen up marketing. Um, or they can come and join us over at thehappycreative.co.uk and check out everything we've got going on over there um, and join in the fun. Obviously, funky socks are preferred, but not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> and all the links to um, all those ways to get a hold of Chloe will be in the description of this episode. Um, so definitely uh, check her out and get in touch. Uh, you won't regret that for sure. Um, the last thing, Chloe, before we wrap up is I want to ask you a question uh, that I've been asking all my guests. And that question is, what's one thing you're doing today uh, that you wish you would have started doing five years ago? Loving myself. I think... Five years ago, I didn't realize what absolute powerhouse I was, but I was. I haven't actually changed that much. I've just come to realize that you're allowed to appreciate yourself and you're allowed to sit there and think, do you know what? I'm pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Excuse my French. Do you know what? I'm pretty awesome. Um, and yeah, I definitely think 100% I wish I could go back and tell my, my younger self that you're allowed to think yeah, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I love that. And sometimes that's all it takes is just permission to, to embrace who we are, to, to see what others see in us. And sometimes it helps to have people around us who we trust, who, who can see that in us as well and encourage us to, to see that. And um, hopefully places like following you um, and, and places like the Happy Creative can be places where people can see in each other what they maybe don't see in themselves yet. But when they, when they finally see how cool they really are, um, they can really embrace that and be able to break through to that next level. 100%. Yeah, I think if you can say that you're proud of yourself now, or if you think that your younger self would look at yourself now and go wow, oh my God, I want to be like you. Then you've won. Just embrace it. I love it. Thank you so much, Chloe, for taking the time to chat. Uh, I had a lot of fun and we'll definitely have to do this again sometime soon. 100%. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. It has been really, really fun.